Hey, Salem Heights Church and all the guests that are joining us, we're thankful that you're here. And we're celebrating Father's Day today. Men, if you're a dad, you need to know no matter how young you are or how old you are, we're thankful for you. We thank the Father of Lights, our Creator, who's the ultimate Father, for everything that God is doing in and through you. And as the celebration unfolds, we're praying for families as they're remembering their dad today or they're able to spend time with him on the phone or in person. We're just thankful for every one of you dads and the investment you've made in your kids. So here's what we're gonna do. We're going to have a video for you to watch, we hope you enjoy it, of little kiddos drawing pictures of their dads and then writing on there why they respect him. So enjoy. Sometimes on this journey, I get lost in my mistakes. What looks to me like weakness is a canvas for your strength. And my story isn't over, my story's just begun. And failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does. Yeah, failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does. that we can praise our great God alongside you guys here today. Um, we're going to be singing and thanking our God about his grace. Sam's going to be leading us here this morning, so let's praise our great God. Darkness. 
Father God, we thank you so much. God, we thank you for these days that we can we can meet like this, God. We consider it a blessing that we can meet together and praise the God who sees every single heart across this world. God, who sees every single situation. God, you know exactly what we have gone through, what we're going through, and we will walk through, God. I pray that you find us close to you, close to your heart, on our knees on our knees for our world, on our knees for our family and those in our community, God. We thank you so much for your word. And now as it's spoken, God, I pray that you speak loudly to our hearts, knowing that you've prepared these words for us today to hear. I pray that you speak through the pastor's um, words, God, and that we hear them and apply them now to our lives. God, we love you. We thank you. And we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, good morning, church. So good to be with you again this morning. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those and open to the little book of 1 John. 1 John chapter 5 is where we're going to be starting this morning. And I'm here with Pastor Justin. And uh, man, it's a, an exciting morning. We're going to be wrapping up this series, Who Do You Think You Are? And it's also Father's Day. Yeah. And so we're just thankful for all the dads um, in our church and uh, so many of them stepping up to lead their families and so yeah um, but I'm really excited about our message today because I think it's going to also help highlight um, our Heavenly Father yeah that, that's such an important reality for all of us who have faith in Christ truly and I, I think uh, our our title for the message is you're an overcomer so um, this is probably one of the areas that fathers feel like they struggle the most have I actually conquered am I actually an overcomer does my family revere me as somebody who's strong yeah Fathers have written on them in so many places in our society, failure, or uh, they're told, man, you're not measuring up, or you harmed me, uh, whatever it is. But we're praying, especially for the men that are watching uh, this, that they will gain courage from yeah. what God sees in them, what he has invested in them, and what he wants to do in them, uh, and that they would be able to lead well as a result. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, what we're hoping to do today is to wrap up this series, and we're going to so part of that is we're going to unpack another term, another theological truth that may have become dusty in our minds. Yeah. But what we're also hopefully going to do is, I think, wrap up. And I think that all of the previous weeks and all the different things that we've talked about that we are in Christ, yeah. this one of being an overcomer is one that's going to, I think, wrap them all together. Yeah, I think... Um 
All of the other ones, as we have walked through what it means in each of those areas to have this said about you, and then it gets dusty because I don't believe it, but then we begin to unpack it in scripture. We can see those things are true. Um, but if the reason for the series is that we just keep living out the Christian life and some of the truths in scripture that are said to us about us don't register, it's just because we're not our mind isn't able to wrap itself around that. This is probably the one, you are an overcomer, that we actually war the most against. Yeah. Like we just say, I don't believe that's true. Yeah. Uh, we set it aside. It's not that it got dusty or I've heard it over and over again, like you are loved or you're a dwelling place. Oh, I've heard those things before and I can believe them for a little while and set them aside. This one, we just from the beginning say, I don't think that's true. Yeah. Yeah, and so we're going to have to work through some feelings today. Yeah. We're going to have to let God's Word speak to us. So if you have, sure. have your Bibles, 1 John chapter 5, we're going to read the first five verses of this chapter. It says this, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of Him. This is how we know that we love God's children, when we love God and obey His commands. For this is what love for God is to keep his commands. And his commands are not a burden because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. Who is the one who conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So Pastor Justin here, we see this idea of being conquerors. Yeah. Um, what, is, what is John trying to communicate to believers in this text? Well, and, and also this word comes up over and over again. Yeah. Conquerors or um, the actual word that we were looking at was overcomers. New American Standard says overcomers. Just a, a side note, we've been using the uh, uh, Christian Standard yeah. Bible. Just uh, We've been walking through. There's three really good translations that use a literal picture, ESV, New American Standard, and Christian Standard. Yeah. This has added some uh, flavor to our discussion, yeah. so we've been using that yeah. if some are confused about that. but. <laughs> Uh, that word overcomer uh, in New or the New American Standard comes up not only here, but it fills up the book of Revelation. So when we look at the end, when God wraps everything up, he's just making uh, Christians stand in that place of victory over and over and over again. And these overcomers uh, come into bright focus. Mm -hmm. And right here we get the picture of what an overcomer is. So John is trying to tell us, hey, I'm about to unfurl in the book of Revelation a whole bunch of statements about overcomers. That's who you are, mm -hmm. Christian. And so he begins to say here, this is what an overcomer is. And in verses four and five really highlights that picture. Yeah. Uh, and he uses some interesting wording. So when I was reading this and we were looking a little bit at the original language, I, I was reminded of the, the statement by Caesar when he comes in and, and he says, uh, Veni, Vedi, Vici, he says, I, I came, I saw, I conquered. Yeah. Well, this has that word uh, Nike, we get Nike from it, right? Conqueror. Um, but literally, you, you uh, Nika, Nike, Nikasasa, Nikon, there is uh, these words used all right in side by side right, right. in this passage. He's meant that a kind of uh, repetitive part of that to inflame our thinking. But basically the conqueror who conquers through the conqueror will conquer. <laughs> so if you have put your faith in Christ who is the conqueror, you've already won and you will win in a way that you just do not understand. Yeah. 
and there's a present tense to that. So it's yeah. not only what has happened in the past, that moment of salvation, that now we have victory over sin. Yeah. We've overcome that. We've overcome the evil one. We've overcome uh, the power and control of sin in our lives. Yeah. But we are constantly conquering as we continue to live here on earth. And so yeah. we are overcoming. We have now this ability to, in Christ, yeah. overcome sin and overcome and actually endure the challenges in our life. So what would be a, a kind of maybe a clean way to define what an overcomer is? Yeah, if we were going to say, what is an overcomer? An overcomer is an individual who conquers, has the victory, and gets the spoils. <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, you mentioned this is, you know, First John. John writes these three little letters, and then yeah. we get into Revelation, which he also writes. Um, but what does um, John go on to say in Revelation that is waiting for those who overcome? Yeah, and there's really an interesting um, development that happens in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation. Uh, he begins to go through groups of seven. So uh, he talks about the seven spirits of God. And our best understanding of that is when you look at these different aspects of the spirit working in the life of an individual, you take all of those storylines together and you have a perfect picture of the Holy Spirit. He talks about seven messengers. So it's seven different ways that a message can be conveyed. When we take the whole story, it gives you a perfect picture of a messenger or a preacher to a church. And then he says seven different times, this is what an overcomer gets. So you take all of those storylines, if you follow that same logic, this is what a perfect picture of an overcomer is. And he gives those storylines to the churches. So uh, seven different times he tells them an overcomer will get this as he's speaking to the churches. And he says that, that an overcomer uh, is promised that they will eat from the tree of life, that they will be unharmed by the second death, that they will eat from the hidden manna and be given a new name. Literally the picture of grace that's there and yeah. a new name. I, I've got a story that's just written for you. Yeah. Um, they have authority over the nations. They'll be clothed in white garments. That's the picture of not only being martyred, but purity. Uh, that they will be a permanent pillar in the house of God and they will sit with Jesus on his throne. You put all those stories together, all those pictures together, and it's a perfect picture of an overcomer. And that's a lot of profound uh, statements that are made uh, on behalf of an overcomer. And he says, that's what you are. Which is a, a pretty amazing thing. And what I think we wanted to kind of do this morning is just begin to unpack the, the reality that these are truths yeah. that are reality because what Christ did actually happened. Yeah. And now those things have all been secured in him and given freely to us through faith. Yeah. And yet, as I live in this physical world, I sometimes can get distracted from these spiritual realities that are supposed to govern my life because I get focused on yeah. the physical. Yeah. And so when I understand that, sometimes it makes it difficult to okay, then what does it mean to be an overcomer right now? These are great promises. These it's things true. are my hope. But how, do, how am I an overcomer now? What does that look like? I think the question that we had asked is, who is an overcomer? And I was telling you as, as I'm walking through some of the commentaries on this, um, there's actually a little bit of conflict mm -hmm. with theologians because some of them are, are saying, Man, all of these other truths that we read in Scripture are true for the believer, whether he can wrap his mind around it or not. Yeah. But when I start talking about an overcomer, this is only for the strong. They start lifting it up as if there's a super Christian somehow here. Uh, and what, now Galatians would war against this because it says, 
man, you were started by the Spirit. Are you being perfected by the flesh? But it's the overcoming statements that are made are, you are this, and you experience this, and this is going to be true of you. And it just doesn't feel that way to us sometimes. So we had to answer the question, not, not just what is an overcomer or what do they get, but who is an overcomer? Yeah. And, and the best understanding that we have as we're looking at Scripture that we want to flush out this, this morning is, who is an overcomer? It's the one who meets crisis with faith, mm -hmm. not with strength, because it can't be that I was so strong in the crisis and God rewarded me. It has to be that in the midst of my weakness, my complete and utter unability to be yeah. able to handle all these things, he was strong. Yeah. So that's the idea that I conquer because I put my faith in the conqueror and I'm going to conquer in the future because he's still faithful. Yeah. So I put my faith in, in the middle of a crisis, even when I'm wrecked, I look to Jesus. And that's what I'm hoping that we take away from this morning. Yeah. I, I think that's the big idea for me is that the overcomer who is one who, when facing challenges, they continue to have faith in Jesus. They yeah. continue to trust in them. That's where their attention goes. And so, again, we're talking about the reality, though, is yeah. I hear these truths. And like you said earlier, um, this, this truth of being an overcomer is one that maybe doesn't even get dusty. We just maybe reject it or we yeah. just like, oh, man. I just can't relate to that. That doesn't, that doesn't seem to correlate with how I'm experiencing yeah. life. So we wanted to kind of unpack some of the problems that yeah. maybe some of the questions that cause us to not believe this truth yeah. about ourselves and maybe help everybody who's watching understand it more accurately. Yeah, I think the concern was in, in the past with all of these, we could actually say, this is what scripture says about you. Do you see this truth? And then, wow, we, we could have a, a summary statement, right? So we could go through and just axiom after axiom, yeah. say this, say this. And we're, we're, our hearts are impassioned. Yeah. But with this one, every person that I've talked to about that statement, you're an overcomer, comes back with, I think you're looking at the wrong guy, right? <laughs> And so what we felt like we had to do is just hammer the problems. Yeah. Let's just look at three different problems I have with the statement that you're an overcomer or that somebody in the congregation might have and say, man, I would love that to be true, but I don't feel like it's true. Yeah. And so that, that first problem that we encountered that we wanted to work through was uh, that statement, I don't feel like an overcomer. In fact, I feel really weak. Yeah. So when it says I'm an overcomer, I'm wondering if I'm even saved. Because I just feel like I've never had the spiritual muscles to move forward. I just feel puny, yeah, small-souled. Yeah. Uh, you had a story that uh, you had read about uh, Admiral Nelson that kind of helped you wrap your mind around this a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, listening to another preacher talking a little bit about this concept of being an overcomer, and, and and what they were talking about was this part in Romans chapter eight where Paul kind of like we talked about last week, yeah. he kind of like grabs the readers by the shoulders and says, this is true. Do you get this? Because yeah. in uh, Romans chapter eight, Paul says, you are more than a conqueror. He's like, uh, th this is actually really, really significant. Um, that word he emphasizes even more yeah. of being an overcomer. And, and the illustration was, uh, yeah, uh, this, this British fleet commander, right? Nelson, this yeah. Nelson. He is uh, going into battle, and it's called the Battle of the Niles in the seven, late 1700s. And he has been sent out by the British Navy to go and thwart Napoleon's attempt to try to take over Alexandria, Egypt. 
And so they get there and the French beat them to the spot. They set up formation and it looks like they think that they've been able to secure the battle. Well, uh, Nelson comes in and leads them to victory in a pretty like famous historic battle that really changes the whole course of this war between yeah. uh, Britain and France. Well, later on, Nelson is writing to a, a, a peer kind of talking about this. Yeah. And he says this, victory is not a big enough word to describe what happened in that yeah, battle. Yeah. And the point of the illustration is this, Paul is saying here, and he's kind of emphasizing what John is hitting on, what Christ is hitting on. You are an overcomer. Sometimes it's like overcomer might, in your mind, not be a big enough word to really understand who you are in Christ. Yeah. And so this idea, I don't feel like I'm an overcomer. Paul is saying, Completely. you are not just an overcomer, you are a super overcomer because you are in Christ. And there's nothing that can stop you, that can thwart your ability to overcome if you will follow him. And I think when you read the descriptions of the battle, here are the French, they're all set up. Yeah. And, and Nelson actually finds a way, he sees their formation. There's literally no way to get through there and win. He was gonna get raked, right? Yeah, they yeah, were yeah. just absolutely gonna shoot him yeah, to yeah. pieces if they tried to come in and attack. They were ready for him. But he actually goes into the shallows, right. goes right along the shore where they didn't have the guns ready, charges right at them, and, uh, and then gets around and, and, and destroys them. <laughs> and in the middle of it, He's actually got like, uh, he gets hit in the head, a flap of skin is over his eye, they have to sew him back up, and he's like, I'm still staying up right. here and battling. He sounds crazy. Yeah. I mean, he sounds like this bigger than life person. When I read the illustration the first time, I'm thinking, well, I can't be that smart or that strong. Right. But if we're hearing that, what we're actually saying, and according to scripture is, that the Christian isn't Nelson. The Christian is the guy in the boat who says, I just said, wherever he goes, I'm going to go. Exactly. And that strength that he has, that ability that he has, that clarity he has gets transferred. I, I get to have the victory because of what he did, determined, and how he conquered. It's no small thing, though. Yeah. It's like, oh, we won. No, he's like, this victory doesn't even encapsulate everything yeah. Yeah. that is done. And the same thing for, is true for us. It's not just, well, yeah, you've defeated sin. Yeah, you got heaven. He's like... You are an overcomer. There is nothing now that can stand in your way from what it's God crazy. has promised you in Christ. Yeah. When we were looking at that, there is a picture, that, a trail that we followed in the Old Testament that yeah. I think helps develop this. Yeah. Because when we feel weak, I think we're just identifying truth. Mm -hmm. We actually are weak. Uh, and scripture doesn't ever put the strength on you need to be this kind of strong in order to be received into heaven. He says, you need to grab onto this kind of strong. You need to grab onto Jesus. You need to follow, believe the Lord right. rather than you. And Abraham is a perfect picture of that. Yeah. Um, in Genesis 15, Abraham uh, receives a promise. God takes him out uh, underneath the starry skies. And he says, Abraham, I want to tell you what I'm going to, what I'm going to do for your entire family. Yeah. You're history is going to be remembered by millions, more than the sea, uh, the sand on the seashore. And he tells him, look up into the heavens. Do you see all of the stars of heaven? He says, you're going to have more descendants than the stars of heaven. Yeah. And Abraham, it says, believed God. And an interesting phrase is there, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Mm. Fast forward, Abraham dies, Genesis 26 happens, and Isaac his son now is going to receive that promise. God says, I didn't forget it. There's only one of you, but there's still going to be 
this tribe. And what does he say in Genesis 26? Yeah, it says in Genesis 26, starting in verse 2, The Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land that I tell you about. Stay in this land as an alien, and I will be with you and bless you. For I will give all these lands to you and your offspring, and I will confirm the oath that I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky. I will give your offspring all these lands, and all the nations of earth will be blessed by your offspring, because Abraham listened to me and kept my mandate, my commands, my statutes, and my instructions. Okay, so now there's a, a because clause there, so we might have missed that. Would yeah. you read that? Why are all of these things going to come true? Why am I still keeping my promise? Why am I still going to unfold all these promises for you? Because... Abraham listened to me and kept my mandate, my commands, my statutes, and my instructions. This is a crazy sentence to me every time I read it. Mm. When it says, because Abraham listened to me, the very next story after Abraham gets that promise is him running into the arms of Hagar. Mm. So it says, Abraham listened to me, but he literally lives out what it means to not listen to God, right? right? right. The next story. And it says he kept my, um, my commands, my ordinances, my statutes. In uh, Deuteronomy 11.1, 1, when Moses is restating the law, and he says, these are all the categories of the law, all the angles of it. He says, therefore, love the Lord your God and always keep his mandate, his statutes, his ordinances, and his commands. Same four words that are used there, but the question comes up, how is it possible for Abraham to keep all of the law if Jerusalem didn't exist, there wasn't such a thing as a Levite, they didn't know what sacrifices were, none of that's possible. So how is that true for Abraham? And, and how could it be true when he's telling his son, was he lying to him? Mm. Or is there something at work here that's deeper? Mm. What scripture tells us all the way along is our faith, in God is not about our strength, but at the moment we believe and say, Lord God, it's, it's you. I put yeah. my trust in you. Right. He opens up all of our life and he stuffs into it what it means to be righteous. Yeah. And we are righteous in ways we don't ever understand. And he sees Abraham as completely fulfilling all of the law and being everything that it means to be righteous in the future and having that all be fulfilled in that moment, not because Abraham actually was that awesome, but because he put his faith in God and God says, I, I'm going to see you this way. Yeah. And so when it says, you don't, I don't feel like I'm an overcomer, the reality is, will you believe God and take him at his word? Just trust him. And he says at that moment, it's not feelings that are facts. It's my statements that are facts. Yeah. I see you this way. You're righteous and you're not even going to understand how I see you till I pull you up into heaven and say, come here, child, let me show you. Yeah. So I don't feel like an overcomer. Right. So the second problem that we can run into when we hear this idea is that we might say, I don't look like an overcomer. Yeah. What's the thought behind that? Well, so feelings are internal and there can be some, you know, tumultuousness going on, but you can still on the outside be pretty awesome. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. You could be really strong. And so I imagine somebody who might feel weak, but they're like part of the, you know, Mr. Universe or something. Right. <laughs> so they got muscles on muscles on muscles. You know, those guys are really strong. But what if actually it's not just your feelings, but actually everything that you do looks like failure. Yeah. So I'm, I'm called an overcomer, but I get so discouraged in the middle of a trial that I wonder if I'm even saved. <laughs> I, I'm called an overcomer, 
but I'm battling with addictions and I don't feel like I, I've actually moved forward at right. all. I, I, every time I take two steps forward, I end up back in the same old trough. Yeah. I, I've, I want to be strong and be disciplined and I want to read the word every day and do all these things, but I actually find out that I'm so undisciplined and so unruly and, and I feel broken. Yeah. How can I be called an overcomer? Is it just that I'm not saved? Right. Yeah, we had a, a picture that we had, had seen. Well, why don't you describe yeah, that, that the answer, little cartoon? The answer to that question is, well, I don't look like it. The answer is, well, you're right. Yeah. And uh, I was reading a commentator, and he was telling a time where he, was, he had seen it come across a cartoon in The New Yorker, and it was uh, this uh, counselor in a, in a counselor's office, and the counselor was... Um, reading to his counselee the results of a test and he's like I, I want to tell you that our findings are that you don't have an inferiority complex complex the reality is you're inferior yeah <laughs> we've <laughs> done the study right and you're just lame right yeah exactly and so as we look at that idea um, the reality is is that yeah it's it's not going to be based on your feats of strength or who you are the reality is is that we are weak but yeah. it's not our strength that makes us an overcomer. When I think of a super strong individual in scripture, I mean, it wouldn't take us long if we asked that question to kids in a you know, Sunday school class, who's the strongest person you see in scripture? They'd go to Samson, right? right? Yeah. So here's this muscle-bound believer in the book of Judges. He's been asked to judge by God. He was announced by an angel. He has all these kind of almost messianic qualities sure. about him. Here's this guy that's going to help set us free from the Philistines. He's going to do all these things. And his victories were insane. I mean, he just gets attacked every time he turns around. And, and he's picking up bones and he's uh, winning uh, through, you know, like comedic jokes. Yeah. He's got all these things that he does and wins the victory. Yeah. Uh, it is crazy. But finally... It becomes evident that Samson, because of the strength God had given him, began to trust his strength rather than God's. And in this moment, God actually strips it all away, allows the Philistines to have victory over a guy who had become proud, who had become focused on pleasure rather than on the Lord. And he loses his eyes, he loses his strength, he loses his hair, he's in captivity because it is found out that the only reason he was winning was that God was his strength, but he began to declare his own strength. Right. So he's in the Philistine camp, and in his final moment, Samson finally says a prayer. Yeah. Lord, hear me. And what yeah. does he say? In Judges 16, 28, we see what he says to the Lord. It says, he called out to the Lord, Lord God, please remember me. Strengthen me, God, just once more. And with one act of vengeance, let me pay back the Philistines for my two eyes. So here he is blind, and as we actually look at the broader context of that story, he's like, I can't see. Lord, I can't see you, but you see me. And I think that's how we feel a lot of times. I'm in the middle of this mess that I've made, and the mess is so bad, I can't even see you. Mm. I can't even lift my eyes up off of the floor, but you see me. Lord, will you give me victory? Yeah. And the whole point is only when we look to the Lord will we have the victory. Samson gets the victory. He says, for my two eyes. My eyes were put out because, first of all, of my failure and of their wickedness. Let's remove both of those things in one act. Yeah. And God allows him to have that final victory. But he's looking to us also to, to tell a story and say, if you will look to the Lord, even when you've made a mess of it all, he'll give you victory. He's, he's the one. Uh, that will win the day. And that's what stood out to me, kind of reviewing this with you and us in our talks, 
is just that Samson had been living apart from God, relying on his own strength, yeah. taking advantage of God's blessing and provision. He obviously suffers some natural consequences, but when he decides to turn to the Lord and talk to the Lord, it says the Lord hears him. The yeah. Lord responds to him. The Lord hadn't left him. The Lord hadn't abandoned him. Yeah. And again, God's commitment to us is not because of our strength or our accomplishments yeah. or our potential. His commitment to us is because he is his love for us. He's moved by that. Yeah. And he has made a commitment to his people that he will never leave us or forsake us. It's, it's really true. I, I think a really, this is a side note for free because it's the last <laughs> one, right? If you do a theology, of a study through scripture of themes, you'll look up different words that get repeated or storylines that get repeated. And one of them that gets repeated are the eyes. So you get a, a prophet at the very end, he might be weak, but it says his eyes were not dim. Yeah. He could still see, why? Because I still have connected with the Lord in yeah. a spectacular way. And I see him even though my body is fading. But they will say of others, their eyes are dim at the very end. So they weren't actually looking to the Lord, but God is still blessing them. Right. So it, that eyes strong or dim of a prophet or of a leader or a speaker was also speaking about their spiritual state. Yeah. In this moment, it actually says, Samson has gone from bright-eyed and attack-worthy and able to having no eyes at all. It's talking not just about Samson, but the indication if you follow the storyline out is, it looks like his faith is a wreck. He's sitting there thinking, I'm abandoned and this whole thing with God is done. When he says, I can't see you, it's literally, I don't have enough faith to even ask this question. Mm. But he looks to him and all this restoration happens in one moment. Yeah. So I, I, would, I would speak to those who right now feel like, I don't even have enough inkling to say that I, I, I'm concerned that there's a wall between the Lord and I. Mm -hmm. You just look to him and God says, I, I will bring the victory. You wait yeah. and I'll restore not only you and give you victory, but I'll give you eyes of faith. I'll restore your ability to see me. Yeah. And don't we all crave that? Totally. Yeah. So we have this idea that I don't feel like an overcomer. Yeah. God says you're an overcomer. Will you believe him? I don't look like an overcomer. It's not because of your strength. It's, he's already said, I'm going to stuff in you yeah. because of your faith, the strength you need to endure, to overcome, yeah. to be victorious. The last problem, though, is I don't sound like an overcomer. Yeah. I just, I, I'm having doubts. I'm questioning. I, I, I know myself. And yep. I listen to myself, and I'm thinking, I don't sound like an overcomer. Yeah. How would we respond to that? Yeah, and, and the real issue is now, okay, so maybe I can puff up my chest when I go to church, or, or maybe uh, you know, I, can, I can look like I'm strong or, or talk myself into a framework where I'm like that. But I'm looking at the mirror in the morning, <laughs> and I'm, I'm saying, you're faking it, yeah. you know? You, you, don't, you don't have any of these character qualities, or you're in your devotional time reading these stories of great champions of the Lord, and you're saying, I'm never gonna be recorded that way. God's yeah. not gonna do that. And the verbal exchange that you have, actually, they've done studies, right? Yeah. The more that we have negative talk and we begin to give voice to that negative talk, the negative talk begins to take over our thinking. So we begin talking to ourselves, and eventually we're talking to others saying, I'm defeated. I'm overwhelmed. This is never going to work out. Yeah. How do I deal with that? <laughs> yeah. We, we have a story here, though, of Nicodemus, who also is watching all these things and realizing, I've invested my entire life yeah. in the wrong system. Yeah. Jesus seems to have the answers, and he comes at night. Right. Uh, and Jesus gives him a, a couple of observations very quickly, but he, he tells him in uh, John 3 uh, the way that he should think about faith, 
and getting his head right. So yeah. we wanted to kind of just focus on a response that he gives him in verses 14 and 15. Yeah. Jesus here is talking to Nicodemus and Nicodemus is, he's obviously, he sees something in Jesus, but he's, he's questioning and yeah. like what Jesus is telling him doesn't make sense. And, and this is what it says in verses 14 and 15 of John 3. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. So what is Jesus highlighting there to Nicodemus? Yeah, and I think he's taking a story out of the Old Testament that Nicodemus would have understand very well. Yeah. Um, that uh, the children of Israel have begun to question, wrangle against God, and there's a test that comes into the camp, these asps, uh, the poison was so wicked and so venomous. Uh, they say that the poison of an aspen, when they would uh, actually bite you, uh, it, it wasn't just that it would begin to break down your body and cause harm, but it actually would brighten all of the nerves in the area. So every single nerve would feel like it was on fire. Wow. So it's a fiery serpent is the way that they are described, but literally it would feel like your body was on fire, a horrible, painful thing. And so they're coming in and God tells Moses, make a brass serpent, put it outside of the camp. It's a picture of Jesus being taken outside the camp. And he says, put this brass serpent out there and if they just go and look at it, they'll be healed. Now we think that they're all, you know, they're, you know, pre-good doctoring, right? Yeah, yeah. So they're pre-physician people. Certainly they just think mysticism is the answer, but that's not true. They'd been in Egypt, they'd been around doctors. They're thinking, this is superstition. Why would I drag myself with all this pain outside the camp and look at a serpent? That can't work. Right. So they would stay and say, maybe I just need a little more rest, and they would die. Or I need to go see the doctor, and they would die. Or maybe if I just do this herbal remedy, uh, they try it, and, and they would die. They were doing everything else but trusting God. And he says, I put that brass serpent out there, and it was ridiculous. Mm. But I just wanted you to look to it, not because the serpent healed you, but because I was waiting to see, would you take me at my word? Yeah. You do this and you'll live. Believe. Yeah. And so they went out and they believed and they would be healed. He says, Nicodemus, just like it was ridiculous for those people to go out there, you're going to think it's ridiculous that all I got to do is look to Jesus. Just say, Lord, I, I know it's you. And not have any understanding about how he's going to fix it. Yeah. But you look to me, just like I, that serpent was lifted up, I'm going to be lifted up. If you'll look to me, I'll set you free. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be about your strength. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be about your clarity. Nicodemus is one of the wisest men in all of the region. And he says, I don't get this. You don't have to get it. You just need to trust me. Do you believe I have the answers? Nicodemus, in the end, revealed that he did. Yeah. I do believe that. And that's actually the question we would have for folks at home, if you're listening to this, you might even be on the outside. We've had some folks log on. Yeah. They weren't sure what they believe. This is the whole summary of what it says in scripture. You may not be able to wrap your mind around the God of the universe caring for you, but it literally says, if you will just look to me, I'll set you free. And then you let me unveil for you all of the things I have for you in the future. Yeah. You're my kid and you're an overcomer. How this settles my heart is just that as an overcomer doesn't mean that I have all the answers or all the explanations or know exactly yeah. where to go every time I encounter something. I just know who has the answers and I'm going to continue to just say I trust the Lord and so I'm going to continue to look to Him and He's going to continue to provide for my need. Yeah. Well, one of the things that was super cool about this that you shared, a highlight for me that I want you to share with our people is the word for 
uh, overcomer or conqueror yeah. in the Greek is a word that is, we get the word Nike, which everyone here in the Northwest yeah. knows, but worldwide Nike has idea of victory, overcoming, conquering. Yeah. But uh, you pointed out something that makes a cool connection. Yeah, so at the very beginning, we're talking about uh, the conqueror who conquers through the conqueror, you yeah. know, will conquer. Um, but Nicodemus's name is based on that exact same word. Yeah. Hey, Nicodemus, you really want to be a conqueror? You trust me, but Nicodemus, you are a little conqueror. Right. You're the, the man, a, a conqueror uh, that doesn't even know that I'm about to, to do something in you that will really conquer. Yeah. Your yeah. fears, your failures, your concerns will be answered in me. Yeah. yeah. Nicodemus's name. So as we wrap up this this morning and this series, I, I think for me, the thing that I want us to take away from this message is that an overcomer is someone who approaches every crisis in life with faith. Yeah. A person that continually goes to the Lord in, in the span of everything they face and says, even though I might not see it, I believe him. Yeah. And I'm going to continue to trust him. And even though I might fail and stumble at times and, and actually not cling to him, I'm going to get back up and I'm going to grab the hold of him again because he is the one who will help yeah. me prevail. And I would even strengthen that. Yeah. Let's say I don't even have the ability to, to reach up. Here's the promise of scripture. If you've put your faith in Christ, yeah. what he says is through these circumstances, I'm going to strip away your ability to trust you. I'm going to strip away your ability to trust other circumstances. You're not going to be able to trust anything else other than me. And in those moments, conqueror, I'm actually going to reach into your life when you feel like there's no hope. A Samson moment where I'm blind, I'm not even sure. Lord, I can't even see you. And Christ will create faith that rises up out mm -hmm. of the ashes. You wait and trust him. He will conquer. Yeah. And he'll conquer your fears, your failures, and ultimately he'll put you in the place of victory. But he'll meet you. You just keep your eyes on him, but you don't have to have strength. You don't have to have ability. Uh, you just need to look to him and he'll take care Man, of the rest. That's a good point. It's profound. Yeah, and if, and if we are believers, that's a great question to ask. Is, yeah. is your life right now reflecting someone who believes that they are an overcomer? Yeah. Uh, it doesn't mean that your life is going well. It doesn't mean that you're free from pain or heart circumstances right now. But there should be this settledness in you that says, man, yeah. I don't get it, but he who is in me is greater. Yeah, and the promise is that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Well, if yeah. you began the work in you, it's not trustworthy, yeah. but if he did it, it'll get finished. A second thing that we'd have them yeah. take a, a question that we'd have them ask is, who do you need to encourage with this thought? Oh, yeah. All of us have run into people right now who are at home overwhelmed by the circumstances our world is in, uh, we're seeing defeat everywhere. Yep. Who do you need to encourage with this message? Those yeah. are the only two questions for this week. Yeah. Well, I hope that this uh, series has been as encouraging for our people as it has for us. I know that we have the benefit of walking through and preparing yeah. together, and it's been a, a privilege um, and a great time of just uh, spiritual growth um, from our conversations. But I'm hoping that has come through yeah. these last seven weeks and our people have been encouraged by that. But uh, would you just pray uh, for yeah. our, our morning and just pray that our people would uh, be able now to spend some time talking about this in their homes. Yeah, yeah, let's pray. Father, we uh, do come before you now. We ask that you'd help us to move from a lack of faith to faith, that we would see this statement that we are overcomers. Mm -hmm. 
and we wouldn't stiff arm it, but that we would begin to yield. That we would say, Lord, we don't know how we overcome. We don't know how we could ever get the victory. We're not confident in anything that we see in our life, but we look to you. So we do look to you and we ask you to guide us, help us first of all to be um, no longer resistant to the idea of being an overcomer, but help us to yield, to uh, begin to trust that. And I pray that that truth would transform our experience and that the activity of our life would show that we have been transformed by the God who conquers. And Father, I pray that we'd be able to take that message to people who are hurting. Um, those who know that they're weak, they don't have an answer for the turmoil that goes on around them, but you are the God who can put things right. We trust you. We ask you to use us as agents on your behalf to share this message with those that are hurting. And we pray, Father, that you would get the victory and the glory as we proclaim it. We pray in Jesus' name.